We'll cover the book of James. Um, not really the book, but some some things about it. People get the book of James so messed up, and so there's three books that you need to know, and you'll spend a lot of time studying them to get them right, if you want to get them right. That'll be the book of Acts, the book of James, and the book of Hebrews. Those are transitional books, and they're important books, because if you apply them wrong, you mess up the dispensation you're in. Now, you can get a spiritual application from anywhere in the Bible. That's fine. But doctrinally speaking, when you take something literally the way it's written, that's doctrine, that will mess you up if you take something in James and apply it literally in the church age. And we'll cover a lot of that tonight. Um, so I'll just give you a quick little overview of the book, uh, an intro to the book. The author is James Zebedee, <clears throat> the disciple. Um, <clears throat> you'll have people who will claim that it's James, the brother of Jesus, and it's not, or the cousin of Jesus, that's the Catholics say that, and it's not. The reason you know it's not is because after James dies, he dies in Acts chapter 12. After that, you have another James show up. You've got two more James that show up. And both of those sign on to Paul's gospel of grace. This James in the book of James does not know that gospel. So it, it has to be a different James than the one that is present at the Council of Jerusalem. Because at the Council of Jerusalem, he knows, okay, this is what we're going to tell the Gentiles. It's not by works. It's by grace, by, by grace through faith. Um, and we'll cover a little more in depth. In James chapter 2, verse 24. James 2, 24. He says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Okay, he's saying there, your justification is through works, not through faith. <clears throat> okay, let's see if that was the other James... What would he be saying? Look at it um, in Acts fifteen nineteen. Acts fifteen nineteen. This is the Council of Jerusalem. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble them, uh, trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles turn to God. Well, wait a minute. I thought you had to have all these works to be justified. He said, no, nah, we're going to leave them alone. We're going to trouble them. <clears throat> okay, let's see James again. James 2, verse 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Look at verse 27. Pure religion undefiled before God... And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Somebody's laid some heavy uh, rules and regulations down as far as works, and he's connecting it with justification. Let's see the other James tell us something. Acts 21.18. Acts 21.18. And the day following... Paul went with us unto James, 
and all the elders were present. Okay, now they're going to consent. He's in lock agreement with Paul's gospel. This James is. Well, this is a different James than the one that died in chapter 12 of Acts. <laughs> okay. It'd be nice if they all had different names, but when we get, we get repeat names, you don't know which one you're talking about. Like Chris. We've got two in the Sunday school class, so you can't call them Chris. Usually my name causes problems. John. There's always four or five Johns around. You know, John, which one? That's the same way with James. We've got at least three James in the Bible. Okay, so we've nailed down who wrote it. Um, and... Uh, James is not written primarily to Christians. This is important to note. James, the book of James, is not written for a Christian. A Christian can take things from it, just like the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Who was that written to? Not Gentiles, not Christians. It was written to Jews who were following uh, the, their ancestors' God, the God of their fathers, that's who it was written to. Now, we take spiritual applications from it. We learn things from it. But that doesn't mean it was written directly to us. The book of James is the same way. It's written to the people that James claims he wrote the book to. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Okay, he's writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. Okay, it's obviously to Israel, to the Jews. That's who he's writing. That's not what Paul would say. Paul would say there's neither Jew nor Greek. What do we care about tribes? <laughs> okay, the, in Acts chapter 12, the church age has not begun yet. The, the council has not begun that says, okay, we've nailed it down now. It's by grace through faith, and we're not going to put them under the law. But at the time James is writing his book, it's before the church age has come into fruition. Look at uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul renounces his tribe where he's from when he gets saved. He, uh, Philippians 3, 5, circumcised the eighth day, that's Jewish, of the stock of Israel, that's Jewish, of the tribe of Benjamin, that's Jewish, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the laws of Pharisee. You go through that whole list, he says, oh, look, all that's nothing. I count it as dung. It's worthless. That's true. As far as the Jews standing is concerned, God doesn't take any, give you any brownie points for that. Whereas he was before in the Old Testament. So, it's a different James than we have in the book of James than what we see in the, the later two James that show up. Barnabas does the same thing in Acts 4.36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, does the same thing. He's explaining, I'm a Jew, here's my heritage, but then he falls in line with Paul. Paul says, there are no more Jews. It's one thing. Um, the twelve tribes are, of course, the twelve tribes of Israel. And don't let anybody tell you that that means something else, because they will. 
they'll take that plain English right there and try to spiritualize it into Christians. There's no way to get around that. It's plain. Let's use the literal words on the page. <laughs> Twelve tribes. You find those in Revelation 7, 5 to 10, other than all the places in the Old Testament. In Revelation uh, 7, verse 5, he says of the tribe of Reuben, tribe of Gad, tribe of Asher, Naphtali, Mas- uh, Manasseh, tribe of Simeon, tribe of Levi, tribe of Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. Those are the tribes he gives there. It's a Jewish thing. So the book of James is a Jewish book. Plain and simple. James 1.11 Here's some verses that don't fit with the church age. James 1.11 It says, For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth. And the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Okay? Church age, we don't care if you're rich or poor. You're not to give special treatment to the guy in the gay clothes. Well, I'd give him some special treatment. No. Um, <laughs> so, in the church age, it doesn't matter what your money situation is. But here, it's going to matter. Why? It's a Jewish book for the tribulation. That's what it's about. Look at verse 21, James 1.21. Wherefore, lay apart apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls those are works laying aside this not doing that in order to get the word that will save your soul that's not how we got saved we repented but there was plenty of things that you didn't repent of that needed to be gotten rid of and you still got saved not going to be so for somebody. In the tribulation, they've got to get rid of some things. Look at the next chapter, James 2, verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. That's not what we get. We get the sure mercies of David. If we got judgment without mercy, we wouldn't be here. Tribulation, that's what it is. Judgment without mercy. The wrath of God poured out. Uh, James 2, verse 19. Thou believest there is one God, uh, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble. We covered that one already. Look down at verse 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. What? Okay, that's not church age. That's direct opposite of what Paul says. If you can't see the contradiction in that, read your Bible through a couple more times. That should stand out like a sore thumb. However you say that, sore thumb (laughs) to you. A neon sign saying, I'm saying just the opposite of what you read in all your Pauline epistles. He says, it's not by faith only. We believe it is by faith only. Okay, it's written to somebody that it applies, and it is true. That's tribulation. Chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Now we can make 
applications to that, but he's saying there's something in your members that are uh, causing this. Our members, Paul says, should I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? Okay. Know you not he that is joined to the Lord is one body? Somebody's not in this passage because they, their members are lusting to war. Verse, four, uh, verse 2, chapter 4, verse 2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, ye cannot obtain, ye fight in war and ye have not because ye ask not. Uh, ver, chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Okay, that's going to be real important when, the, when you apply the book where it goes in the tribulation. You don't want to be the enemy of God. He's down here physically slaughtering them. So you, that, it means a whole lot more there than me putting some spiritual application on it in this age. Now, there is a spiritual application. The spiritual application is the more friendly you get with the world, the less friendly you are with the things of God. And that's true. However, here we're talking literal enemies of God, and he's down here fighting a war. Uh, verse 8. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Okay, there it is. That's the tribulation saint, or the tribulation Jew, is told to draw nigh to God. Why? Because he's right over there in Jerusalem. He's coming through and to cleanse his hands, literally, and purify his heart, because he doesn't want to be double-minded when Jesus shows up. In James 5, verse 1. James 5, 1. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Okay, so we don't preach that in the church age. Imagine a mega church preaching that. <laughs> All you rich people, get out. <laughs> James is preaching hatred against rich people. Look at this. Why? Because in the tribulation, it's the rich man who took, takes the mark. If you don't take the mark of the beast, you're not a rich man. You're poor because you can't buy or sell. Okay, so the rich man identifies himself with the devil. So when you see all those derogatory remarks against rich people in the Bible, check it. It's going to be a reference to tribulation. Uh, James 5 verse 4 Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud crieth and the cries of them which have reproached are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth that's of war so the God of war is coming back and doing some business well yes he is in the tribulation so we see where the book fits clearly look at verse 5 you've lived in pleasures on earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Fits tribulation perfect. Now we can try to spiritualize it and twist it and cram it into our age, but it doesn't really work. It fits perfect with the tribulation. Every word of it. Verse 6. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Yep, they're cutting their heads off. Guillotine. Uh, verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall rise him up, uh, raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Okay, that, we, don't, we don't do that. 
the best if that was true for our age, the best thing you could do would be to get sick and have the elders come down and pray for you. Because it says there you're going to be healed. And not only that, your sins are going to be forgiven. So, get a fresh start every time. <laughs> I'm sick. Somebody come down and get rid of all these sins. Verse 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him. He saves his... What's the rest of that say? Uh, he... I better look it up. Uh, 5 verse 19. Uh Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Okay, what does that mean for church age? Well, we could sit here four or five hours and try to spiritualize something into it. However, you can see perfectly how it fits in tribulation. You saved his soul, literally, from getting demolished, from getting killed, both by the Antichrist and by Jesus Christ. Okay, the twelve tribes scattered abroad. They're defined in the Bible as being scattered, scattered uh, nation of Israel. That's set up. James is speaking something that they knew before Christ was even born. That's when Israel was scattered. When were they scattered? They're scattered between Malachi and Matthew. Okay, they're scattered right there. You see Peter show up in Acts 2 and he's preaching to the scattered because they've all come back to Jerusalem for the holiday. So he's got them from this nation and this nation and this nation. Well, they're scattered. Let's see the actual words. John 11, verse 51. John 11, 51 and 52. This spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for, the nation, for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that, he, that, but that he also should, but that also he should gather together in one. Look at that phrase. The children of God that were scattered abroad. Okay, so he's gathering into one the children of God that are scattered abroad. Children of God doesn't mean saved. It means Jews. They're the sons of God. Not like we're sons of God, or not like, a, a, an, uh, not like an angel, but they're sons of God in that God begat a nation. Israel, he calls his firstborn in the Old Testament. Um, so that's all the way through. Jesus shows up and talks about your father, our father. That's a Jewish reference to the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what a Jew would say. Whether he was righteous or unrighteous, he would still consider God his father. So the children of God here is a reference to Jews. And yes, they are. They're scattered abroad. So when James writes, he uses the phrase we understand. We should be able to connect it right away. He's talking to Jews. The twelve tribes scattered abroad. Okay, that's Jew as you can get. Okay, let's run right to the hard places. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 is tough. James 2, verse 14. James 2, 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath, he hath faith and have not works? 
can faith save him? That's right. He's saying it can't. We say it can. Faith alone can't save a man in the tribulation. That's true. And that's what he's saying. And he's right. But for the church age, that's all you need. Faith alone. So, because he set the tone right here, for the rest of the book, that's what he's going to be discussing. Especially the next ten verses. He's going to be talking about tribulation, salvation, and not being saved by faith alone, but by a combination of faith and works. In Paul's epistles, of course, it's only faith. In Romans 5, verse 1, Romans 5, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where's the works, Paul? You left something out. None needed in the church age. When the book of James is written, they do need it. In Romans 4, 5, he says, But to him that worketh not, oh, that's as direct a contradiction as you can get, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That, he and James are not on the same page. <laughs> Obviously. James says, can faith save him? Come on, people. But, well, you've got to get it in the right section or you've got the Bible all contradicting itself. It says, faith and works are necessary for salvation in the book of James. Exactly as faith and works will be necessary in the tribulation, but not in the church age. So the book, you've got to take a, um, a careful look at when you're seeing things in the book of James. You can make spiritual application, and that's good. Make a spiritual application with something doctrinal or that you've seen in the Pauline epistles. However, if something contradicts in the book of James what Paul has written, then don't apply it to yourself in this dispensation. Make a spiritual application. In uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17... Revelation 12:17. I'm going to give you two verses that are good to note in the book of Revelation. Just two. Just two. <laughs> Revelation 2:17. Here's how you prove the plan of salvation for the tribulation. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments, step one of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, step two. It's a twofold plan. It's not just by faith. They have to keep commandments, that's works, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, that's faith. Now, somebody will say, I don't, you know, faith, testimony and faith, that might not be the same. Okay, good, glad you said that. Chapter 14, verse 12. <laughs> Chapter 14, verse 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments, step one of God, and the faith of Jesus Christ. Works and faith. That's tribulation salvation. We find in the New Testament places where somebody can lose their salvation because they didn't keep commandments. Okay, that doesn't fit in our dispensation, but it does fit somewhere. In the book of James, you're going to see a lot of it. There's two sides to every question. 
in this argument, you'll find two straw men, two arguments that are set up as opposites, but they're one and the same. They're both wicked. Um, that'll be the Baptist and the Catholic. A Baptist will take the book of James and he'll say, let's spiritualize it. Okay. Now, it's, you're not going to run into difficulty um, by spiritualizing it, but you will run into ignorance by spiritualizing it. Because now the tendency will be Everywhere he reads, he'll spiritualize rather than take a literal uh, explanation of the passage. God meant the book to be literal. So to somebody, it is literal. Here's the, the standard way they take this book. They say, the book of James is talking about another man viewing, not God viewing. So I say, can faith save a man alone? You show me your your uh, faith by your works and I'll show you my faith how's that verse go it's in there you show me your faith uh, without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works okay that's visual that's another man looking and seeing it okay that's the standard spiritualized application to it and you can do that if you don't have time to sit down and explain to something to someone what the book really said <laughs> you say okay well yeah okay that's fine because they're not getting in trouble that way. That's an easy way out. However, it's wrong. It's one explanation, and every passage has at least three applications. Spiritual application, which we just did. A literal application, where it really fits, and you obey it to the letter, that's tribulation. And a historical application, where it fits when it was written at the time it was penned. That's James, Acts chapter 12. Uh, so we've gotten all three of those explanations. That's We deal with a guy who can only take a spiritual application of every passage. doesn't know any of the other two applications, and so that messes everything up. Okay, a born-again Christian in this age can't lose his salvation. But there is an age where they can. That'll be the tribulation. Um, the works that are in the context here of James chapter 2 are not good intentions. You'll find them try to do that. They spiritualize the word works. And they say it doesn't mean you physically do something, it means you want to do something. No, he's talking about physically actually doing something. It's real works. The context is James 2 verse 3. James 2 verse 3. And you have respect unto him that weareth a gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are you become judges of evil thoughts? They take the evil thoughts and say it's intentions, but the intentions came from an action. Sit, stand. You got good clothes, you don't. Okay, it's a physical judgment. Uh, look at uh, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say in him, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful for the body, what doth it profit? He's talking about literal works. You didn't give them any food or clothes. So your good intentions mean zero. 
So it's, we can't spiritualize the word work. It means physical work. Uh, look at verse 17. He says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Okay. So now he said, Faith, without having works, equals zero, equals death. How did you get saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not, James would have said you're dead. See the contradiction? It's clear. Okay, but James is saying faith just by itself isn't enough. You've got to add works to it. Well, you will in the tribulation. That's true. So that's where the book fits. Look at, uh, that's a doctrinal statement. As far as what we're reading it, word for word, the literal explanation of everything he said. That's doctrinal. James 2, verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So whoop de do. <laughs> now, what James has done if he's not given us another doctrinal statement, he's already given the doctrinal statement in verse 18, uh, or in verse 17. This is a hypothetical situation he's set up here. And so, um, it's, it, what he says here is there's two guys and they're arguing about something. Guy one um, questions his buddy's salvation because his buddy doesn't believe that you have to have works for salvation. That's what he's saying in that verse. You've got to have both. Um, but in Romans chapter 4, verse 5, he says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. No works at all in there, period. Matter of fact, he says, Don't work. Work not. The book of James is just one contradiction of the epistles of Paul after the other. Um, were the Old Testament saints lost? Were the Old Testament saints lost if they did not have works accompanying their faith? That's a good question. So, just as it'll be in the tribulation, let's compare it with another time period that was similar, the Old Testament. Did the Old Testament saints lose salvation? Yes. They didn't have the works required. Yes, as a matter of fact, they did. How about Samson? The other problem comes into you're trying to quantify something. Samson, he does wickedly. He doesn't get right when he should. And what happens at the end of his life? He judges righteous judgment by killing all of them. Did he lose it? Did he not? Good question. How about Lot? Lot was a wicked man, vexed his soul from day to day and seeing all the wickedness that's going on around him. And then he gets involved in his own sordid wickedness. Okay, does he lose it because of his works? Okay, we've got to start drawing things here. If you're going to start saying that it requires works for salvation, then... How do you know when you've lost it and when you haven't? Solomon, Solomon, that's right. 
how many works did David have to do to prove that he had lived by faith? Um, what if his good works hadn't been enough to offset his bad works? Yeah. How about the time he was uh, feigning himself to be a madman? Isn't that a lie? Remember the time he lied to the high priest? Wiped out all the priesthood, except for one man? Then he spent many years running from Saul, refused to punish Absalom, killed an innocent man, and then took his wife, fingered Joab in anger, making the military alliance with the Philistines, refused to punish Joab. The list goes on and on and on. Okay, we've got a lot of wicked works there. How many good ones do you have to do to make up for it? Well, I don't know. Okay, the Old Testament is a matter of something totally different than we have. And the book of James illustrates or proves it. It's something totally different. And so will be the tribulation. That's a thing that's a daily situation. The Spirit can come on you and leave. We have something special. We'll, we're sealed. It can't come out. David is given as a type, not the actual, but as a type of what we have. David is said to have the sure mercies. That is, God's mercy was that he did not take his Holy Spirit from him when that was the normal thing to do. If you sinned, God took the Spirit from you. Okay, he's not as good as the real thing because that's a picture. We're the real thing. We've got it. We're sealed. We don't have to worry about it. David had to worry. He didn't have any verse saying, I won't take the Holy Spirit from you. He's worried about it. He should be. Um, all, all deists have faith. People who believe there's some kind of God, those are people who believe in a fake God, the one they imagine or the one they enjoy worshiping. Um, and that's the same thing the devils do. The devils believe there's a God. Okay. How many works are they doing? Okay, they're not getting justified by faith and works. Uh, how about when they have good works? Because you'll find a lot of deists who have good works. They're good humanists. They do good to their fellow man, and you know, because that's what they're counting on is their works. Okay, they've got faith in a God and they're doing good works. Do we give them salvation? <laughs> no. Um, how about Christian deists? We believe in the Trinity. Okay. And sometimes we do some good works. So did we just earn salvation that way? No. <laughs> Not in this age. See, that's where the book of James will break your neck if you're not careful. You've got to apply that book right or you'll end up in a real pickle. Um, verse 24, James 2, 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone, or not by faith only. Okay, he's going to give us an illustration. The illustration he uses to, to um, give credit to what he's saying is Abraham. Abraham illustrates his point. However, let's look at Abraham. Uh, Abraham is not justified 
when he had righteousness imputed to him. Romans chapter 4, verse 24. This is a deep thing that you'll have to get a hold of to understand what I'm saying. Romans 4, 24. Romans 4.24 But for us also, to uh, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Okay? Now go back to James 2.23. It says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Okay, his justification in Genesis 15 doesn't show up for seven chapters. Okay, he believes God when he says you're going to be the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. Okay, but he doesn't get imputed righteousness. It's not counted to righteousness until the offering, Abraham and Isaac. Our justification is different. It takes place the second that you get saved. Your justification and your sanctification and your righteousness is given to you immediately. There's no delay. There's no seven chapters of your life that you have to wait on. (laughs) That's about ten in the time frame there. It's about ten years. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Boom. You got it. When you got put in him, you got the righteousness of God. Well, it wasn't imputed to Abraham immediately. There was a delay in time frame. Not for us. So he's a loose example of our salvation, but just a small type. God's imputed righteousness to Abraham uh, and Abraham's act of faith being imputed to him for righteousness is Genesis 15.6. That is... He did something. He had to do something in order to get this righteousness. We don't do anything. There's going to come a time where people have to do something again to get righteousness. The commandments. Genesis 15:6. he says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Uh, that's Abraham. Abraham getting righteousness. Here's a major problem with the book of James. And that's with God's righteousness. God's righteousness was not illustrated in the Old Testament by Abraham's belief in his future seed at all. The future seed being those that are going to come from him. That's not what he was justified for. It's Where it really comes into play is in Numbers. Numbers chapter 23 verse 21. Here's God's righteousness. In James, they're doing their own work, so they're creating their own righteousness. Here's God's righteousness. Numbers 23, verse 21. And you see how mysterious it is here? It's not something they understood. This is Balaam, of all preachers. (laughs) Balaam is given a prophecy. 
He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Okay, that's, that's God's righteousness right there among them. Well, that's going to be millennium. Okay, that's where the righteousness of God is with them. But in James, it's something you work up. You've got to do the works. In Mal- uh, is it Malachi? No, Micah. Micah chapter 6, verse 5. Micah 6, 5. He says, O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. There's God's righteousness. He confirmed it. He says, if you want to know about God's righteousness, you've got to go back to the prophecy of Balaam. (laughs) That Old Testament is a deep book. He's written that thing in such a way that the Jew, and told it to the Jew in such a way that the Jew would not understand the salvation we have. Now, we can go back through and find it, but they didn't have a clue. Just as James, at the time he's penning the book, doesn't understand church age salvation. What's he teaching? He's really teaching an Old Testament salvation, which is coming back. It'll be in the tribulation. Abraham's imputed righteousness is not ours. It's a type. It's a type of ours. Abraham was not a son of God in our sense. He wasn't saved like us. Abraham was not spiritually circumcised. Physically, not spiritually. Abraham was not in the body of Christ. You and I are. Abraham's soul didn't go to the third heaven when he died. He went to Abraham's bosom. Okay, big difference between Abraham and us. Don't be trying to say Abraham got saved the same way you did. He didn't. Abraham's sins were not taken away. He had to offer sacrifices. Abraham was not adopted into God's family. He wasn't. Abraham never experienced the new birth. You and I do. So, don't, I don't want to sign up for Abraham's system. And that's what the book of James is trying to get them to sign on to. The Jew in the tribulation, you better sign on. It's that or the guillotine. Take your pick. (laughs) The guillotine or Jesus Christ coming back and killing you himself. Um, You have to notice the differences in the book of James or you have real, real issues with understanding the Bible at all. The Old Testament salvation... There's Old Testament salvation before the law. You have to look at things before the law. Okay, figure out. Where are we sitting as far as God having given the law? What's being required? What's not? There's Old Testament salvation under the law. Okay, the law's been given. Now what's required of a man? There's New Testament salvation under grace. That's what Paul explains. There's tribulation salvation. That's where the book of James fits in. That's going to be faith and works. There's millennium salvation. And that's by works alone. So you've got to figure out what dispensation you're in and then take the book of James, lay it out there, and say, okay, 
What is he saying is required in plain English without me trying to turn it into something that's not written there on the page? Now, you can turn it into something that's not written on the page and get a personal application or a spiritual application. But if you want to know who it's written to and where it fits, take it literal, just like it says it, and then find out how to fit it right. Um, if you try to attempt to make the book of James sound Pauline, sound like it was something from Paul, it turns into a real mess. And what that identifies, someone who can only read the book of James and make spiritual applications and try to apply it to the church age, has just shown their hand. They're either a Bible rejecter or they're a total baby. And they've not grown enough in their spiritual walk to be able to read plain English. That sounds harsh, but that's the way it is. <laughs> You're not justified by works. It's not something you do or something you don't do. You're justified past tense by Jesus Christ's death. That was the justification. Way back there. God's not looking down at your life and saying, oh, he didn't do good today. Okay, one bad mark. I did pretty good the other day. That's one good mark. He's not doing that. Our good mark was made 2,000 years ago. That's all that matters. Uh, in James 2.21 he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Okay, if his work is what justified him, it was declared to him way early before he offered the son. It was declared to him when he believed God. Okay, so we've got a span of time there that we don't have in our life. Okay, so he's a very loose picture. You can make loose applications for the church age, but not a whole lot of those. The more applications you start making from it, the more you've got to go right back under that system of faith and works. He believed and he sacrificed. He did the offering. Now, your faith doesn't have to be made perfect. God's already done the perfect faith. He says in Romans, the, what the Jews are doing wrong is they're going about trying to establish their own righteousness and they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. James is telling you to produce your own righteousness. Do works. Um, your faith is already... Uh, you already have the end of your faith. That's in 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 19. Uh, no, 1 Peter 1, verse 9. Uh, in James chapter 2, verse 22... I'm trying to get through chapter 2 and... I don't know how far we'll get. James chapter 2, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was made... Uh, was faith made perfect. Okay. He's saying that the perfection of his faith was the action of his work. Now, it's easy to spiritualize that. Let me show you how to spiritualize it. Here's what everybody does with it. Not everybody, but most people. They'll say, okay, you're not saved by faith and works. You're saved by faith that works. Now, doesn't that sound cute? <laughs> Okay, they're saying, if you've got real salvation faith, when you got saved, it's just going to work out, it's, it's going to work its way out, and you're going to just accidentally start doing right. And maybe kind of, sort of, to a degree. There is a new man in you, and he's going to want to do other things than what the old man wanted to do. Okay, that's there. But that's a loose application. Um, 
what he's saying there is that if you're not doing the works, um, faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. He's saying if he didn't have the works, the faith would not be made perfect. Okay, for us, there's many Christians that get saved and never do any good works after in their life. And guess what? Their faith is still perfect because it wasn't theirs, it's God's. So that's why they can go to heaven. But not in the Old Testament, not in the tribulation to come. There's, it's going to be a different system. You're not waiting for any scripture to be fulfilled. We're not, it's all been fulfilled. In James 2.23 he said, And the scripture was fulfilled. Okay, so something happened and that fulfilled scripture. It's all been fulfilled now. Or it's been nailed down that it's going to be fulfilled when the Antichrist gets here. He lays it out in black and white. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Um, I'm going to skip through some of this and try to finish tonight. Um, the term justified occurs three times in James chapter 2. It'll be in verse 21, verse 24, and verse 25. Never, never, not one time, is it a discussion of being justified before men. And that's the spiritual application most people take. They say, what that means is it means if you'll do work, then men can see your faith because your works are proving your faith to other men. But God really knows it's not a matter of him knowing. It's a matter of whether or not other people know. That's not what he's saying, because take the word justified, run it through every other time it's used in the chapter, and it's literal, never is it figurative, um, and never being justified before men. In Romans 4.2, uh, he says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory but not before God. So Paul's saying just the opposite of what James said. James says, Abraham was justified by his works. Paul comes along and says, well, if that's the case, then he's got a right to be proud. Okay, because he did something. He can pat himself on the back. He hath whereof the glory, although not before God. I mean, as far as man's concerned, before man he could glory. Um... Abraham was not justified by works. He was justified by belief. In James 2:21 and 24, no one was around when Abraham offered Isaac. So there weren't any men looking. So the explanation for James is not what other men see. That's how they try to explain it. This living by works and faith is what other men see. It's not for your salvation. Well... If the example given in James is Abraham, there were no men to see Abraham with Isaac offering. It was just him and Isaac. Nor could anybody tell, uh, nor could he tell anybody about the offering of Isaac because he didn't offer him. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> okay, so the, the whole thing in James is literal. I'm sorry, I know it contradicts. That's the way it's intended to. And you mess the passage up if you try to spiritualize it and say that's the only meaning to it. Now, you can spiritualize it and get a personal um, you know, critique or find something in your life that you can do or not do. However, it means what it says the way it says it. 
And most people are so scared to interpret the Bible literal that they've destroyed it. Um, and there is so much more. Um, the other the other illustration he's going to give you in that chapter is Rahab, the harlot. Um, we just don't have time to finish it. Um, Yeah, just go through the book. I'm going to show you something else that's fun in that book. Well, um, in the just read it in the book, the last chapter, chapter five, he talks about um, pray for the elders to come, and then they'll give you uh, if you've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven you. Okay, so that doesn't fit our dispensation, and you know that plain as day. The other thing that doesn't fit is you've got a cause for Catholicism. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the tribulation. All denominations and religions right now are running to Rome. They are. They're getting sucked in. In James there, he says, confess your faults one to another. Well, you see how that's going to be used by Rome? Yes, sir. They've already got the confessional. Just come down here and do it. <laughs> okay, so the book of James is a dangerous book if you know how to read. Now, if you're a Laodicean Christian who doesn't read anything anyway and you've already decided what things you believe, they may or may not be right, and you just are going to force it to say whatever you already believe, then you're okay being not okay. <laughs> you're okay before me, not before God. Um, so that's the book of James, and um, that's a tough book. That's deep doctrine, and... Uh, you need to know it because people will mess it up and they'll run to James to justify something. And that's okay. They might be able to by using a spiritual application and then they'll use that same method in Matthew. Okay, or, you know, endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay, well, yeah, that's true. Endure to the end and and you'll be saved. Yeah, if you're in the tribulation. So does that mean... I, I like to do this. When somebody takes those verses, let's take them 100% literal. He says, Endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And these people trying to preach that verse for this age right now. Okay, does that mean Granny that died yesterday didn't endure to the end? So she's not saved. Now, you don't really believe it on, like the words on the paper say. He means it just like it says. There's going to be a tribulation that's going to last seven years, and somebody could endure seven years and make it to the end. All right, that, that'll be enough for tonight.